It is great to have you with us at Willow this weekend. My name is Sean, and I'm one of the pastors, and we're so excited that you joined us for the continuation of our series that we are calling GOAT. Really, as we look at the myriad of ways that we recognize that Jesus is the greatest of all time. And specifically this week, we're going to look at Jesus as the greatest giver. Now, when I think about giving and, and, and think about the biblical aspect of giving, there's a phrase that I've heard for a large portion of my life, and it's this, that you can never outgive God. And there's just something about that phrase that's always been compelling to me, and I found so true in my own journey that you could never really outgive God. And so today for our conversation, I really want to lean into Jesus as the greatest giver of all time. And I want to lean into some powerful principles that we learn from this small book in the New Testament called Philemon. But the first principle is this, that we'll understand that, that giving starts with God. Uh, it's a really important principle for us to recognize that, that giving starts with God. But let's dive into this very small book, New Testament book, written by the Apostle Paul to his friend uh, uh, that, that he was writing to. And you'll notice when the words appear on the screen, there's going to be some highlighted words. Whether you're watching at a watch party or whether you're just joining us online, I would encourage you to read the highlighted words out loud with me as we dive into Philemon chapter 1. Again, we're going to look at verse 6. It says this. Paul writing. He says, And I am praying that you will put into action the, the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things that we have in Christ. And so Paul just makes it as abundantly clear as he knows how. He says, this generosity that we're describing, it comes from where? It comes from our faith. In other words, generosity doesn't start with us. It starts with God. Before we ever do anything, we pause and we recognize what he has already done. It always starts with him. Now, if you look at the word generosity and you trace it all throughout Scripture, and you look at it in its original language, in the original language, the, the word generosity, it has this connotation of full saturation. In other words, it's not like just dipping your toe in the deep end of the water, kind of testing out the water temperature. It's like doing a cannonball in the deep end. It's like getting yourself fully saturated and hopefully soaking everybody else around you. That's kind of the idea of, of generosity. And I love that picture of generosity because what an incredible description of our great God. Our God is an extravagantly generous God. In other words, God doesn't just give you a little bit of love. God pours out his unconditional loves into my life and your life. But God doesn't give us just a little bit of grace. God's grace is almost incomprehensible. It's, it, it's bigger than we can even begin to imagine. That the God's forgiveness, again, is not just for the small stuff. That I'm so grateful for God that even when my life gets off course or when I was far from God, when my life was lost in sin, the beautiful thing about our great God is his forgiveness is extravagant. And it's through his forgiveness that he reaches out to my life and to your life and rejoins us to himself relationally. Our God is an extravagant God. It kind of reminds me of one of my favorite verses, probably one of those well-known verses in all of Scripture, John 3, 16. We can possibly all recite it from Scripture where, where God says these words. He can help me out with the highlighted word. For God so loved the world that he what? He that he gave. He gave his one and only son that who would ever believe in him would never perish but have eternal life. The Bible over and over and over again, as it describes God, describes God as a generous God, as a giving God, as an extravagant God, as a God that saturates our life with his goodness. That is fundamentally who God is. And so when it comes to the conversation around giving, again, we don't start with ourselves. It starts with God. Before we talk about what we do, we have to pause and reflect what God has already done. God's love was so extravagant 
that he didn't even withhold the life of his own son, Jesus. Jesus was an expression of his love for you and I. That's a generosity that I can't even begin to comprehend. Now, here's why that's so important. And let me make this as as practical as I possibly can for us. Because I imagine there might be somebody who's joining us online, or maybe you were invited to a watch party, and maybe you, you, you haven't yet crossed the line of faith. You're still kind of kicking the tires of faith. You're not really sure exactly uh, what you believe. And if that's you, uh, here's what I want you to know more than anything else, that we are ecstatic that you are with us. Uh, we are so grateful that you would trust us with, with your spiritual questions, your spiritual journey. And I pray that you find in Willow Creek, and I, I pray that you find this community, a place that you can belong even when you don't yet believe. I, I, I pray that you can find a place that you can ask questions without any kind of judgment. And the reason that's so important is I want to specifically talk to maybe those of us who haven't yet crossed the line of faith, because sometimes when it comes to a conversation around giving, that we can get a little apprehensive and we can become somewhat resistant to the conversation because we think to ourselves, I knew it. That's all the church wants. The church wants my money, or that's what I knew it. You know, the God's people, that, that's, they just want something from me. And I want you to know more than anything else, uh, we don't have a conversation like this because of what God wants from somebody. It's it's actually because of what God wants for somebody. And and maybe there's somebody who's with us this weekend that the reason that you are here is because of not what you will be compelled to give, because of what God wants you to actually receive. And maybe that God brought you here this weekend because maybe this is the first moment that you receive God's love, that you receive God's grace, that you receive God's forgiveness. Before we ever do anything, we are recipients of what God chooses to give. Giving starts with God. Now, once we really begin to understand that principle, I think we also need to shift gears and understand another important principle, and that's this. Giving starts with God, But giving also transforms our hearts. Uh, The giving transforms our hearts. Let me take you back to the very same verse that we read earlier. Philemon chapter 1 verse 6. Again, I highlighted some different words. Help me out with the new highlighted words. It says this. And I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all of the good things that we have in Christ. And so you'll notice what Paul's saying is certainly giving starts with God, but there's something that happens when we also put the very same thing into action. When we model his example, when we apply it into our lives, when we live it out, there's something special that happens in our own lives, in our own hearts. Uh, Paul says that we will experience, that's, that's where we experience the good things that we have in Christ. Now, I've noticed throughout my journey that that people tend to walk through life with one of two postures. Now, I rarely have cash on hand. Truth is, I actually borrowed this from one of our tech people right before we got here. But but, but the truth is, people tend to walk through life with one of two postures. They either walk through life with an open hand, or people walk through life with a closed fist. And their life posture couldn't be more different. People either walk through life with an open hand, just being very willing and generous and willing to share, making a difference in the lives of others, or people walk through life trying to guard the very thing that they believe that's theirs. Come to find out, it was never theirs to begin with. It, it kind of reminds me of this. It was, it was a few months ago that uh, I took my sons out for what I call a dude's day. 
uh, sometimes dad and, and sons, we just get to go and hang out and have some fun. Uh, my, my wife, their mom, is just an incredible rock star of a mom. And sometimes she needs a little me time. She needs a little time off. And so uh, I have two boys, uh, Levi's 13, Austin's 11, and sometimes we just go out and we hang out as, as a bunch of dudes, and we just have some fun. Sometimes we go fishing, uh, we'll go hit some golf balls at the driving range, we'll go to the park and do all kinds of things, but it was a couple months ago that we had a whole day of fun activity, and we got toward the end of the day, and I looked at my boys and I said, how about some ice cream? Now, when is there a kid who's ever turned down ice cream? So my boys were, they were all in. They were ready to go. And so we went to one of our favorite ice cream places, a place called Andy's. And you can get all kinds of amazing concoctions of ice cream at Andy's. And it's one of our favorites. Now, I was trying to be disciplined and good in my life when we got to Andy's. And so I decided not to order something for myself. And I was just going to scavenge off of whatever my boys decided to order. And so Levi ordered this chocolate ice cream with all kinds of things mixed into it. And the truth is, I don't really like chocolate. And so Levi's order was pretty safe. I didn't want any of his. Uh, But Austin, he ordered this vanilla ice cream with cinnamon cookie dough. And I'm telling you, there was a little piece of heaven that he was holding in that cup. And I just looked at it. I mean, I I drove in there, you know, I paid for it. it, But I looked at it, I just had to have some. And so I looked at him and said, hey, Austin, can I have a bite of that ice cream? And he looked at me. He didn't skip a beat. He said, no way. This is mine. And I thought to myself, at what point in the journey did that become your ice cream? I mean, if I'm not mistaken, it was my idea to come to Andy's in the first place. Like, if I'm not mistaken, I'm the one that drove the car from where we were at to get here. You wouldn't have been able to do that. If I'm not mistaken, I actually placed the order on your behalf. If I'm not mistaken, I pulled out my wallet and I paid for every single ounce of what you're holding in your hand. If I'm not mistaken, I'm actually the one that got to the counter, got it, and delivered it all the way over to you. At what point in the journey did you think that that somehow became yours? I mean, the only reason you were holding that in your hand is because I did everything imaginable for you to be able to experience a little bit of ice cream goodness. I mean, I was laying it on a little thick, right? I was, I was hoping my son would be a little bit more open-handed with his dad, and, and after a little bit of spiritual guilt trip, he gave his dad a little bit of a bite. Now, I can't be too hard on Austin. I've had the same posturing with God way too many times. That when it comes to whatever it is in my life, sometimes I kind of think to myself, no, it's mine. And I wonder if sometimes if God looks down at my life and says, at what point did you come to terms with the fact that you thought that that was actually yours? That, that everything that you have in your journey is made possible because of what I've facilitated in your experience. That I'm the owner of everything. The psalmist reminds us that the earth is the Lord and everything in it, right? It it belongs to him. So that means my car is not my car. It it actually belongs to the Lord. Uh, My house is actually not my house. It actually belongs to the Lord. Uh, Whatever's in my bank account, 401k, investment accounts, whatever it is that might be, quote, unquote, in my name is actually not mine at all. Instead, I'm merely a, a manager of what actually belongs to God that I'm intended to be an instrument by which God uses to facilitate his mission in this world. In many ways, what God wants to do is to, to, to put resources in our hands in order to share them and bless others around us, right? And when we realize that, it changes everything. Let me go back to those two postures. When it comes to the person who's open-handed, the reality is that the person recognizes there's nothing that I have in life that's actually mine. That everything that I have in life is actually God's. He's just entrusting me with it. I'm a steward of what he's given me, and there's, there's an intention that is to be a blessing to others. 
Now, certainly, I can experience some of the blessing and joy from what God has given, but it's also intended to be stewarded for the sake of other people as well. But look at this. When it comes to the open-handed posture, not only am I open-handed to give, I'm actually also open-handed to receive. And if you think about those people in your life that are the most open-handed people that you know, what we discover about these individuals is they tend to be the most joy-filled, purpose-filled, grace-filled people that we meet. Because the amazing thing is when we open our hands to give, we also open our hands to receive the greatest things that life has to offer. On the contrary, those who live a little bit more close-fisted fail to recognize that everything we have in our life doesn't belong to us. And yet, this posture tends to try to protect that which we think belongs to us, but actually was never ours in the first place. But if you know people who walk through life in a very closed-fisted type of way, again, these people tend to be those who are most stingy. They, they lack a sense of joy in life. Many times, they have a hard time finding a sense of purpose. A lot of times, they're not the most fun people to be around in life. Why? Because when your fist is closed to give, your fist is also closed to receive. I mean, if I were to ask somebody to throw me a ball right now and you were to say, hey, catch, I can't catch unless I'm willing to open my hand. And so because the closed-fisted posture, we can't catch the joy and the meaning and the purpose and the fulfillment that comes to life. I can only catch that when I'm willing to open my hand. And the truth is, my friends, is what Paul's getting out of this passage when we really follow Jesus as the greatest giver of all time is that when we learn to open our hands to God, we actually learn to open our hearts to God as well. Giving transforms my heart. And so giving starts with God. Giving transforms my heart. Here's the, the third piece. Giving fuels the mission. Uh, giving fuels, specifically, it fuels God's mission. Now, there's, there's a proverb that I read a lot of years ago that at first glance, I read this proverb and I went, I don't know that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, let, me, let me share the proverb with you. It's, it's book of Proverbs, chapter 11, verse 10. Help me out with the highlighted word. It says this. It says, the whole city celebrates when the godly succeed. No, they don't. Right? I, I don't know about you, but when somebody else succeeds, I probably feel a lot of things, but my first inclination is not to celebrate their success. Right? I might celebrate my own success, but a lot of times we have a hard time celebrating the success of other people. And I look at this and say, the whole city is celebrating when godly people succeed? That, that doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, kind of think about it this way. When your football team wins and mine loses, I don't celebrate your football team. Uh, you think about the, the Kardashians. All of them are worth umpteen gajillions of dollars. How many of us are thinking, you know what? Good for them. I'm so excited I'm so excited for the Kardashians. I just can't wait for them to even multiply what they have. I, I don't tend to celebrate that. I mean, when the star athlete signs that $400 million contract, I don't think to myself, you know what? They are worth every single dime of that contract. That's not my posturing, right? And so I sometimes have a hard time celebrating the success when it comes to others. You might say anger, yes. Jealousy, most of the time. Indifference, probably but celebrating? I don't tend to celebrate the success of other people. I only tend to celebrate my own success. There is one exception to that. I experienced that firsthand a, a number of years ago. There's an extended member of my family that I called on his birthday. And I was just excited to call him, wish him a happy birthday. But when he answered the phone, I could tell that he was incredibly excited. 
And so I said, hey, tell me, what, what, what's going on? And he said, you will never believe what happened to me today. I said, tell me, what, what happened? He said, well, it was my birthday, obviously. And so I went into the gas station. I bought a lottery ticket. I scratched it off, and I won $100,000. I'm like, are you kidding me? And he goes, no, I'm, I'm serious. I won $100,000. And immediately, I got so excited for him. I, I, w- I was celebrating. It was so easy for me to celebrate his success. Why? Because I was hoping I was close enough to maybe I would get some. Right? That's typically when we celebrate the success of somebody else is that when we're close enough that we might be a benefactor of their success. Let's take that principle. Let's read the proverb again. Help me out with the highlighted word. It says, the whole city celebrates when the, when the godly succeed. Because when the godly succeed, what happens? When the godly succeed, everybody else around them becomes the benefactor of their success. It's no wonder that the city is celebrating it because they become the benefactor of those who steward God's resources in the way that God has blessed them. Now, let's think about that in a very practical way. I hope that we become a community, and just so you know, though I'm newer to Willow Creek, your reputation has preceded you. In the sense that you are known, your reputation is that this is an extravagantly generous church. And the lives that have been touched, the, the lives that have been changed and transformed over the years because of the generosity of this church are endless, countless. I don't, I don't know that we could even put any kind of numerical count to it, that you recognize that your generosity, it actually fuels the mission. And because of your generosity, the entire city, the entire community celebrates the impact that has happened because of the generosity and how it's been expressed here at Willow Creek. I mean, for example, I hope that every time you hear about a, a marriage that's reconciled in South Lake, that that becomes something we can celebrate as an entire community. Uh, that every time you, you hear about a, a person coming up out of the water after just being baptized in wheat, and we celebrate that as an entire community. That I hope that every time you hear about somebody who experienced healing from an addiction at, at Crystal Lake, we celebrate that as an entire community. That I, hear, I hope that every time you hear a student in, in Huntley that, that found connection and belonging and experienced life change become of that, we celebrate that as an entire community. I think about, you know, on the streets of Chicago when somebody's need that gets met through the C&J ministries of our Chicago location, the whole community rejoices. You know, I think about when somebody crosses the line of faith at our, at our North Shore campus, that a whole community rejoices. When somebody receives a car from a care center at South Barrington, the entire community rejoices. Don't you understand? The whole city celebrates when the godly succeed, because when the godly succeed, the city becomes a benefactor of their success. I pray that God continues to radically bless this church. Why? Not for the sake of this church, but for the sake of the impact that we're able to have in God's world, uh, propelling his mission forward in the world. And my prayer and hope is this, that every time you hear of a life change story, every time you hear somebody come to faith, every time you hear about these messages reconciled, you won't just think to yourselves, man, that's a really cool thing that happened at my church. Instead, what I hope you think is, There's a connection between the gift that I give and the life change that's experienced. That that's an extension of what God did through your story. You see, giving starts with God. Giving transforms our hearts. And ultimately, giving fuels God's mission in this world. So what does that mean for us practically? And so... There may be a myriad of next steps we might consider with a message like this. Uh, Maybe here's the first. I mentioned this earlier. Maybe there's, there's some who are with us this weekend 
that you're brand new to the journey and in your next step is that maybe this week you wouldn't take a step of giving, that you would take a step of receiving. Uh, receiving what our God gives us freely, openly, extravagantly. And this is a weekend that you receive God's love, his grace, his forgiveness. This is a spiritual marker in your journey where your life is never the same from this moment forward. And I pray that once we cross the line of faith, that we might consider another second step. Maybe for some of us, we've never jumped on the giving journey. And I want to encourage you, if you've never jumped on the giving journey, I'm I'm afraid that you're missing out on what God wants to do in your life. And so if you've never jumped on the giving journey, I would encourage you to take a step. And there's some people around Willow that, that, that give even up to 10% of their income. And, and they, they, they chose that number because God, as he, as he taught us about giving early on in Scripture, used that to help us understand a, a proportion or amount and, and how we can prioritize God and, and taking an extravagant step of generosity back to God. For some around Willow, there are stories of people even giving far more than those amounts. Kind of thinking, not just what should I give, but the other question becomes, what should I keep for myself? and allow God to have truly everything in a way that God wants to use it in his world. Whatever the next step is, here's my encouragement of how we can possibly consider it. Many many times for us, it's helpful to take a step when it comes to a specific time frame. And this is the first weekend of October, and I would encourage you, whatever the step is, whether you're taking a step for the first time, maybe you're taking an additional step in your journey, maybe you're taking an extravagant step when it comes to your generosity, would you consider taking that step for the next three months, October, November, and December. Next weekend, uh, our, our, our senior pastor, Dave, is going to be here talking about Jesus is the greatest visionary. And he's going to share with us a little bit of a vision of where God's taking us as a church. Wouldn't it be cool if we got to the new year and the resources existed to propel that vision forward in a powerful way? And so I would encourage you, as, as God leads, as God propels you to, would you take that step? And would you step into God's mission? Would you allow him to transform your heart in a meaningful way? Let's pray together. Uh, God, we're so grateful for you. We're grateful for the the work that you're doing in this church. Father, we're grateful for the work you're doing in our lives. God, we recognize that you are the goat. You're the greatest of all time. And Father, we recognize that giving doesn't start with us. It starts with you. But Father, as we begin our own giving journey, I just ask that you you would compel us to be open-handed people in such a way that you would transform us from the inside out. And God, as we do so, I just ask, would you use our lives to fuel this mission, fuel your mission in a way that changes lives in our local community and truly all throughout the world. God, we give that to you. We pray that in your son's name. Amen.